Welcome to Ideas into Reality, a podcast to inspire everyone to take action to turn their ideas into reality. No matter what experience they have, where they live, or who they think they are right now. Each week, we introduce you to a founder that has taken their tiny flicker of an idea and done what it takes to bring it to reality. We also take a few minutes to dig into the how of some of the key lessons those founders have learned on their journey so that you can feel more confident in what to actually do as you start to take action on your idea. Ideas into Reality is hosted and produced by the team behind Canvas Coworking and Startup Toowoomba. So we'll be talking to founders from our local community here in regional Queensland, as well as some of the interesting folk that we have met during our travels around the globe. As you heard, Ideas into Reality is produced by the team behind Canvas Coworking. We know that everyone has different needs. So here at Canvas Coworking, we've created a range of extra services for our members to access if and when they need them. Perhaps you work from home, but you don't want everyone to know where you live. Our virtual office address is an option to use our address as your address. Do you want to create a prototype of a new device or perhaps repair an item rather than throw it away? We have a makerspace on site with tools and equipment like soldering irons, drills, a sewing machine, 3D printers and a laser cutter to make or fix a whole lot of stuff. And We believe learning is essential and sharing is kind. Our library is full of books and resources which have been gifted or loaned to share with others and we provide a full library of recordings of our learning events via our website for members to access at a time that suits them. You can find out more about these extra services via our website, canvascoworking.com.au. I'm excited to have my first co-founder guests on today's show, Wendy Allen and Helen Reynolds from Stored Naturally. Wendy's been a member of Canvas Coworking from almost the very beginning, with Helen coming along a few years ago as well. One of the things that I love most about being involved with Canvas Coworking is seeing connections made at our events and workshops and seeing them blossom into something. And it warms my heart to know that Wendy and Helen met at one of our social events. They were also inspirational in the creation of this podcast as they kept me on task during our Start Your Own podcast course that we all completed together recently. And I congratulate them on launching Gutsy Matters, their podcast, into the world, all while running their businesses as well. All right, so let's jump in and find out a bit more about how Stored Naturally got started. So, Helen, I believe it was actually your idea in the very beginning. So I'm really curious to know what was actually happening in your life around the time that this idea popped into your mind. So what was happening in our life was Max and I were heading down the clean eating path. We were actually in a process of getting much, much healthier and losing weight. We'd started on a clean eating diet, just taking out all the preservatives, additives, colorings and flavorings and things like that. Anyhow, through that process, we ended up buying all our produce from the farmer's markets. And then one day I caught myself putting a beautiful organic lettuce into the fridge in a plastic bag. And I thought to myself, well, that's pretty damn stupid. Like it's an organic lettuce, plastic bags, God knows what kind of toxins. 
So I took the plastic bag and threw it away and put the lettuce in the fridge. Three days later, I pulled it out to eat it and it was all wilted and tasted bitter and it was highly unmotivating. (laughs) I fed it to the compost heap where the worms were. And I thought, well, that was an incredible waste, wasn't it? And then, but I was determined not to use plastic. So I repeated this process for a couple of weeks and I thought, Jesus, this is getting expensive. (laughs) So then I created a solution to my problem, which was a fabric produce pouch for the fridge to keep my produce fresh and lasting longer and tasting great because the flavour was so important. And that was the beginning. Wow. It's always interesting when you hear someone have a problem themselves and then actually create a solution for themselves as well, which is is great. And yeah, organic lettuce is expensive. You don't want to be throwing it to the worms, just worm food. No, not I know. It wasn't just the lettuce. It was the kale and the carrots and the zucchinis and the broccoli and the cauliflower and the whole works. Anyway, we did eat some of it, but the worms got a large proportion and, and yeah, a solution was definitely needed. And it's wonderful that you're able to come up with that. So I'm really keen to know what did you actually do? Obviously, you were solving that problem for yourself, but what sort of happened to make you think that this could become more than just a a solution for yourself? Oh, that was just gung-ho motivation or determination or something. Like I didn't do any wise business analysis or anything like that. Um, I just went gung-ho straight into trying to develop the best product I could and just had this unquestioned faith that everyone else would love it as well. (laughs) So, you know, from a business analysis or business startup, planned startup point of view, I didn't tick any of the boxes. Okay. And is that why Wendy came on board then? (laughs) (laughs) Wendy can answer that. Okay. (laughs) So, Wendy, we might find out a bit about you and and how you did get involved. Okay, well, I came on board after Helen had developed a product and had had some production of that product. um, I met Helen and Max. We went to a startup evening talk, somebody that I was keen to hear speak, and Helen and Max were there, and as we usually do at any networking thing, what do you do and how are you and all of that? And, uh, yeah, they said what they were doing, and I guess at the time, and, and I still do have contacts with chefs and different people we're talking about it'd be good to get their point of view and and to actually look at you know whether it's something that a commercial uh, entity would use as well as everyday people but also to to promote the product as well rather than necessarily them using it as well and so I said oh I'll get I'll give you my contacts and what have you so we said goodbye and Helen rang up a couple of days later and said would you like to come for coffee and have a chat and so we we went for a coffee several hours later over several coffees we were going into business together and I guess my background is agriculture and uh, particularly the farmers and I'm very passionate about where food comes from and looking after the produce and it just sort of meshed I guess and and the rest is history as they say. (laughs) Awesome and I'm curious to know do you remember who was the speaker that you both went both were interested in? I do the speaker was Al Mabham from Elle Mabham's Photography. Yeah, and Elle was great. She was doing a preliminary talk prior to her TED Talk. And uh, about her Drover's book or was it the yes, Drover's the one? the very then? beginning book. Yeah, the Drover's book. Excellent. Oh, that's very good. Wonderful. So what's the road look like since then? So obviously you've got together, you had some coffees, you, you made a bit of a, a plan of how you might approach things. What's happened along that road? Well, there's been many potholes. So like I said before, I created the product before I tested the market. So giant, big black pothole 
right there. I really love how you framed that question with you created a bit of a plan. I can't say enough how we didn't have an adequate plan. But I guess then when we got together, though, we, we did look at what we need to do because Helen said she couldn't really find the fabric that was the best fabric and what she really liked. And while it worked, it wasn't the best. Mm. So that's when we really looked at, okay, well, what we, what do we need to do? We we want a fabric that is the highest quality, the best fabric that we can that we can have um, and the best that's going to have the water retention pro- properties and antibacterial properties, et cetera. So that's, I guess, when we started looking in earnest at fabric. And I guess we really looked around the world and there was nothing that was suitable to what we wanted. And we chose hemp. And the reason we chose that is because of its great qualities. But again, in hemp fabric, um, we, wanted a, we wanted a product that we could say hand on heart, that there was no chemicals used in the whole process from the, from the growing of the, the fibre crop to the making of the yarn to the processing of the fabric and the product right through. And there wasn't any available. And that led us down the path to, to looking at getting our own yarn you know, manufactured from the raw hemp and through to, the, through to the fabric, which we did. And that's a long process. But we had, a, we had a product out in the marketplace anyway, but we wanted to improve it. And so we have gone on a number of, uh, different you know reiterations of the product until we've got the product that we love today because it's a really great high quality fabric and it has all of the properties that we were looking for and we get it manufactured and woven to our specifications. Excellent and certainly it is a process and I know having been aware of some of the parts of your journey how long that has been and the challenges that you've had along the way in in getting that and getting what you want something that you do really believe in Something else that I know has happened along the way is is you've rebranded. You've changed the name of your product. So you were Greenleaf Bag at the beginning and now you're Stored Naturally. And tell us a little bit about what happened there. Like what caused those changes to happen along the way? Well, that happened when we actually um, were looking at a, an overseas marketing campaign. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> the more we looked into the overseas marketing campaign, we were doing a trial in, in one country and we we looked at that and the more we looked at it, we thought we can't go ahead with the name that we've already got. So we, we were called Greenleaf Bag. Um, our product was called the Greenleaf Bag and the company was called Greenleaf Bags, plural. And I guess we got thinking about the Greenleaf part of it because people go to supermarkets and they say they have green bags, which because of the colour green, not because they're anything to do with it, environmentally friendly because they're made out of polyester people would say how are your green bags going and we were going oh it just grated on us and we thought also we really don't want the company name to be limited to just that bag because we hope to expand to to other things that are in the pipeline I guess and so we thought well we really needed to change that up and change the name of the company and the name of the product so the product is now a fresh produce enhancer and the company is stored naturally and yeah, we really did an about turn. And because we did that, we basically went back to scratch. And that was probably 18 months or two years ago now, time gets away. But yeah, so we, we built a new website. We did the whole thing again. So once you go back to square one to change not only your product name, but your company name, there's a lot of rebuilding that has to happen. And I think you have to also realise that sometimes you just lose your mojo and it's like, oh my goodness, we've been going at this and and you need a bit of a break. And we've, we've had that as well. So it's 
yeah, it's not all beer and Skittles, but in, in doing developing a business from scratch and, and going to the next level. There are a couple of other things. Um, I'm so glad you can remember all this stuff, Wendy, because I had totally forgotten. Going back to the name change, we had actually had our product copied by some cheapskate woman in Sydney. She had copied our product exactly dimensionally and the whole thing was just pretty much exactly the same and she'd called it green something. I can't remember now. I was so angry about it all that I tried to wipe her from my memory. And so that was another instigator for changing our name and... But we also need to add, while well, she copied everything, she didn't copy the fabric or the quality. It was really just what it was, yeah. As yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, well said, Wendy, because the, the actual product that she makes is a terrible quality and it doesn't really work because of the lack of quality. The thing you mentioned, Wendy, that I just sort of wanted to maybe dig a little deeper, you mentioned about the product being in a country. Was that about the development of your fabric or about selling your product? Are you selling your product internationally as well? Well, we have had the the product available internationally because we market online. It has been available and we have sold to quite a large range of countries across the world, but we haven't actually targeted a particular country. We're yet to do that. We do sell and we get orders from, from time to time from US, from France, from UK, from Spain, from you know, a whole range of, of different places. But I guess we're still in the, that rebuilding up phase to, to really get to a point. We want everything right. And we've now gone into develop a, a podcast because of that too and we want to get all of the ducks in a row so to speak before we'd actually launch because we'd really like to go to the US uh, hit the US market as well because there's lots of, of space over there for for our product as well as other places as well we've still going building up to I guess probably where we were before or a bit bit further ahead and something that I know a lot of our listeners probably are concerned about for themselves as well is if something like that happens where someone comes along and maybe tries to copy the product and it's an inferior product or they try and take your name, things like that. How have you gone along that way with getting advice like, um, you know, legal advice, trademark advice, those sorts of things? Have you found that quite easy to get, helpful? Like what have you done there to protect yourselves? Well, through Canvas co-working. We had the access to someone who could talk to us about that and uh, he basically calmed me down and said, uh, Helen, there's not much you can do, so why don't you just market your product for the benefits of what you've got and roll with it? And there wasn't much we could do. We trademarked our name. Our product's a very simple kind of a product. All the, the detail, I guess, is in the quality of the fabric and that's very difficult to put any kind of legality over and also way outside our potential expenditure range. So we actually basically had to suck it up and keep going. (laughs) And just have, which is good because some people would just give in. So it's great to see that you have actually sucked it up and you keep going and, and, you know, you've pivoted how you needed to. Max had the best attitude. He said, you know, we can think of it as an honour that if our product's so popular and so needed out there and someone had to copy it. When people use the inferior product, if they do, and I haven't seen it around for a while, so it may have well died a natural death, and it was an inferior product, so it wouldn't work very well and therefore people wouldn't buy it again or buy more. We certainly do need to promote 
how well ours lasts as well as how well it works. We didn't see a downturn in our market because of that, but we mm. thought it could have. Yeah, so we really had to we had to look very hard about what we would do in that circumstances, and and it's it's fine now. <laughs> And you mentioned protecting things is outside of your budget and obviously rebranding and everything like that is expensive to begin with. So is it something you've had to look at or consider is attracting investment funding or have you been able to bootstrap this to date or how have you managed to get where you are? (laughs) Oh, we've bootstrapped. (laughs) You've bootstrapped. (laughs) Yes, it's been challenging, but I guess we wanted to go alone. I mean, if somebody came and offered us some investment funding, we certainly wouldn't say no, but we have got some small grants along the way as well. Um, Oh, yeah. A small business digital grant, which was really helpful and worthwhile. And, and that was in the process of when we decided that we wouldn't do the campaign, the trial campaign overseas. It's, um, yeah, it's always a challenge, but I think there's so much that you can do. I see a lot of businesses start up that just don't have this, or I think they don't have the skills. I mean, if you'd asked us, Five years ago, would we be doing what we're doing in all the things, you know, from developing websites and all sorts of other skills that you need to do it? You know, you would have just laughed. But it's good to learn those skills yourself and not just go, okay, I've got this idea, so I'm going to outsource every single part of of my business and product because you feel the pride and the ownership in in accomplishing all of those things. And, you know, we're better for it. Um, Mm. I know I certainly am. I've learned a whole range of skills and it's, it's, yeah, you're really proud of your product and you can stand behind it and know what you've put into it as well. Also the adaptability, you know, if you do more things yourself, you can spin on a dial yeah. way faster and that's the advantage of small business as opposed to big business, you know. When you're tiny, you can just adapt and flex and go here and there as required and the more things you're able to do within your own business, the more flexible you are. But obviously there comes a point where it balances out with time and other commitments. And and that's actually a good point that you make as well. I mean, agility is great, but it has to balance. And, and obviously for a young company with currently one product out there in the market and, and two co-founders, I don't imagine this is currently paying for everything in your life. So as co-founders, I know that sometimes people worry about that, how getting someone else involved when you have a, an idea that isn't yet making money and you have to decide how we're we going to go about this, uh, shareholdings or partnership agreements, those types of things, as well as responsibilities. And you don't have to give away the farm as such in your answer, but how have you managed to find that balance, have those conversations and work out who's responsible for what, who's contributing what and how that works as two co-founders didn't really know each other beforehand. You had to build a relationship and learn each other's skills and strengths. How have you done that? Uh, I think at the beginning we tried the sort of more planning approach, sort of more sit down and discuss it, structured kind of meetings. So neither of us are hugely structured people, but we probably did that more at the beginning. And then as you get to know each other over time, now it's just really easy. We know our skill sets and we flick things between each other. And like today, Wendy started a, um, a MailChimp email and I've finished it because my copywriting has developed nicely. Wendy's great with colours and design. Yeah, that's just one little example. And over time, each of us have developed skills in different parts. You know, Wendy's better at various things than I am and so on and so forth. (laughs) So now it's just really natural is what I'm saying. I don't think about it. (laughs) And we don't really go, okay, well, you've got to do that. And I've got to do this. And yeah, it, it, it was actually a natural fit, even though we didn't go out 
and find each other for the skills that we had or, or didn't have. Yeah, it's so so it's a natural fit and it seems to fall easily into somebody's lap in terms of what jobs that we, I mean, we still have planning. We, you know, we had an all day planning meeting the other day and it was just, it, it just fits easily as to who's going to do what. And it's not, it's not hard as Helen said, it's, it's now easy, but you know, you have to go through that getting to know your phase and, and what have you. But yeah, I guess we've been quite independent in what we, what we wanting to do without outsourcing too much and that's not to say we haven't outsourced we've we've outsourced some marketing from time to time we've outsourced you know web design outsourced photography there's a whole range of things that we do outsource we don't do it whole and solely but at the same time we're still working full-time in other jobs as well and so naturally sometimes has to take a back seat as do sometimes the other things as well yeah it's about it's about working out that balance and how the time and and we've got to know what time we need to spend on it I think one of the things you just made me think of, Wendy, oh, yeah, outsourcing at the beginning. At the beginning, we were way more, had a much greater tendency to outsource than we do now. And in hindsight, because <laughs> hindsight's such a wonderful thing, I'd probably encourage someone not to outsource at the beginning, to give it a good shot themselves, because it helps to refine your desires. So, Say, you know, you need to create your brand, your branding style guide and the brand and the whole, the way you're going to look and feel. Just as an example, if you give it a shot yourself and it doesn't turn out the way you want, at least now when you go to outsource someone, you can say, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I don't want, this, this and this, I don't want any of those things. And that's something we didn't do very well at the beginning. And so when we did outsource, we didn't always get the results we wanted because we weren't clear enough in asking for what we want. And if we'd given it a shot of ourselves first, uh, we might have had clearer requests. Anyway, sorry, that popped into my head and I distracted your questioning. Well, it's a great point, actually, because it's a common thing that people go, oh, I can just outsource that. And it's like, but do you know what you're asking for? Because if you couldn't do it yourself because you don't know what you want, you're not going to be able to clearly communicate that with someone else. And then when they return something and it's not what you expected, it's because you never told them in the beginning. So it is a real challenge for people. So it's actually good to point that out. Mm, Yeah, I've got a girlfriend going through it at the moment with her brand new business. And uh, one, she didn't follow her intuition and she chose a photographer based on logic and her intuition was strongly telling her to go with this other person. And she's really disappointed in the photos. But I have a strong suspicion that she didn't specify what she wanted clearly enough. Often the case. Now, Wendy, you mentioned a little bit before about a couple of things that you were proud of, and that's actually something that I want to dig a little bit deeper into. So, you know, what are some of those moments over the last few years of things that you've done or achieved or even just tiny little things that that you're proud of? Well, I think the biggest thing to be proud of is our product and where it's got to now. I mean, we've got a cupboard full of samples of range. At one stage there, we were going, mm. getting sample after sample, and we we actually have gone with several different companies until we found the company that is now doing the weaving and the fabric. The company is a company that's, although it's quite a large company, it's a family-owned company. It has the same sort of philosophy and ethics behind what they do is what we do as well. And we were really glad to find somewhere that that's not in a huge big capital city, but yeah, they do a great job. And and to be able to find somebody that will can can prove that they don't use chemicals in any of the process and show us that because sometimes when you're dealing with overseas companies, They'll tell you one thing and do another. We've visited the company. We've been there. They've 
greeted us like family. They looked after us like family. And we developed a good rapport with them. And, and we know, and that's chemical used in the production of the yarn or the fabric, which we're, we're really proud of the product. And when we look at other similar products or competitors, they can't say that at all. What about yourself, Helen? I'm really proud that we're all still friends. <laughs> <laughs> That is a good thing. Um, It's challenging at times. And as Wendy said, we've had ups and downs and we've lost our mojo and regained our mojo multiple times. (laughs) So, you know, we've needed to give each other space at times and we've, I guess, intuitively done that. And yeah, now it's really fun to be be working back, you know, to have found out actually what I should say is it's really fun for us both to have our mojo back at the same time. Um, and I think sometimes you need a direction, a new something that's going to take you in a slightly different way. And uh, and I guess that's the start of our new Gutsy Matters podcast is that exact thing that we decided to go down that path. And I guess I thought that it was a way of showing that, you know, what our philosophies are behind our product rather than we don't want to be out there. And we're not, and we'll be the first to admit, we're not very good at sell, sell because I don't like hard sells to me and I think Helen's the same. And mm-hmm. so by by talking about what we believe in behind the product was a way of then showing people why why we have that product. And obviously that'd be nice if it does lead to sales, but it's it's something that we're really passionate about and it's not that hard trying to how do we sell this? How do we get out there and sell? Because it is difficult, but I think you have to And exhausting. It. it is exhausting and you have to look at different ways because you know, I see some online products that, you know, they have Facebook and Instagram and, and even online and, and it's just a big push. Every post that you see is all about selling and selling. And, and to be honest, we've done a bit of that. We've tried that and thought, no, well, this doesn't work. Yep. And it also didn't feel right. Exactly. So we don't, so we don't do that. And, and this way um, with the podcast is a really good way, yeah, to tell people all about the other things and waste and food waste and where, the, where food comes from and how to look after food and, creative cooking and healthy eating and sustainability, all of those sorts of things that I think um, hopefully will be very valuable to people. I'm sure it will be. And I think podcasts, we like podcasts because we're on a podcast, but your audience is wanting information. And I know you've got some great guests involved with your podcast as well. So reaching out into additional communities just helps more people understand who you are, what you're about. And if they're interested, then they will come and buy if they have a need. So I like that approach as well. So apart from the podcast, what else is on the horizon? So what's the next stage in your journey? So you did kind of mention a little bit before about maybe there might be another product or something in the wings. Is that something we can talk about today? Well, we certainly don't have anything definite, but like from the beginning, it's always been a thought that it's difficult being a one product company and um, we've got nothing that we can say at the moment that we're doing, but it's um, it's working with other people as well to, to develop more product down the track, but we want to get what we're doing right with this product before. I think sometimes you can spread yourself a bit too thinly and try and do too many things, So, which is why we're really concentrating on this and see where we go. And I think going to another product, yeah, the budget involved as well. So that's where an investor can come get behind us and, and help us develop the next next product. But we have looked right back sort of early days. We we actually did some prototypes on some commercial fresh produce enhancers in a, a much larger scale. And we, we haven't taken that any further at, at this point in time. And, and whether we will or not, we'll wait and see. And I guess the reason why we didn't at the time is because when you look in a kitchen, they, they're, I guess, trying to, to avoid 
avoid a lot of food waste as well. And the turnover of their fresh produce, you would hope as a consumer, would be uh, would be quick because they wouldn't be ordering in two weeks worth, for instance. It's more for a domestic situation. So we, we haven't taken that any further and, and whether we will or not, we'll have to discuss it another time, I guess. <laughs> So just curious to know, with uh, so with your sales uh, at the moment, are they only online or do you wholesale out to different stores like uh, health food stores and places like that as well? Yeah, we do. So we have, yep, that's just a yes. <laughs> so we do affiliate sales. We do online sales with other companies that have our product in, in their um, shop front as well, as well as some retail space as well. Yeah, definitely. So we have a range of different selling methods, but our own selling method we don't go to markets and things like that we initially went to a few things early on and we've been to a few things like hemp conference um, the Australian hemp conference and things like that that's more about raising awareness of our product rather than a a selling platform and you can't go to markets if you're wanting to do what we're doing. All right so obviously you have both learned a lot along your journey If someone was to come and say to you, I've got an idea for something, what would you want them to know before they started on their journey? What words of wisdom or advice do you have? I'd say go for it. Absolutely go for it. Wing it, wing it, wing it, wing it. But uh, don't be shy for asking for advice. Know how to follow your intuition, I'd also say that. And it would have been really nice to have someone sit down with us who didn't have any agenda at all, someone who could really facilitate, particularly for me, a discussion around why I wanted to do it. And why from, you know, people talk about your why, you know, that Simon Sinek TED talk so famous, but it's something that's so multi-layered. You need to look at it from like a beehive of perspectives and, and all different people's points of view too. Oh, that's another thing. You have to get really, really good at seeing things from other people's points of view. If someone could have facilitated that with me and made a document, I really, the longer the better, really, because that would have become a lighthouse of light when I lost my mojo, but also a guiding sort of thing to think about when it came to learning how to write copy for the website, learning how to write copy for social media, learning how to write copy for anything, basically. And a sort of a guidance about even when it came to branding and look and feel of of the way we presented. Well, at least right back in the beginning, that would have been quite good because you come up with a product idea and then there's a million different colours, a million different designs you could put to it and so on and so on. So, yeah, that's sort of that's what I'd tell someone. Great advice. But also I think I would say it doesn't have to be perfect. Just do it. Mm. and Do it. Because if you wait around for everything to be perfect, for timing to be perfect, for, you know, your product to be the best mm. product you've got or the service, whatever it might be, because things develop, the more you get into it, the more mm. you do things. And, and don't be afraid to have a go because you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all the skills that, that you might have once you've been in, in the game for a bit. And, yeah, just do it because if, if, it, if you wait for it to be perfect and wait for the timing to be right, you'll never do it. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And don't be afraid to spin on a dial. It's perfectly normal. It's the it's just perfectly normal to set off in one direction and then find yourself taking a right-hand turn and then left and then you know, it's a zig- it's a, it's absolutely a journey. And I think a lot of people think pivoting to go in a to- not necessarily a totally opposite direction, but in a quite different direction than you had said and you expressed to everyone you were going was nearly like it's Oh, you haven't failed, right? Or you failed in that aspect. So, 
but it's normal. It's not true. And everybody does it, yeah. Yep, yep. Turning in it, pivoting is, is success, not failure. Absolutely. Awesome. I think I'll take that quote. I really like that. <laughs> All right. So no doubt there have been people listening who are going, okay, I need to check out this product. I need to see it more. I want my my organic lettuce to last longer than a couple of days and not be fed to the worms. Where can people find you? How can they connect with you both for your product, but also your podcast? So so hit us up with all your contact details. Oh, I was just going to say that I was going to throw in a little bit of something we did whilst giving our contact details. So our business is called Stored Naturally. So when we rebranded, we we really spent a lot of time considering how could we make our business say what it does. So our product's completely natural, as Wendy was saying, and you can store your fresh produce naturally. And then we called the product the Fresh Produce Enhancer because that's what storing your produce naturally in our product does. It makes it sweeter, crispier and lasts longer, so it enhances it. So, yeah, storednaturally.com is where you can find us. Yeah, so on the web, it's storednaturally.com and our podcast is called Gutsy Matters and you'll find it on Gutsy Matters podcast on all the usual podcast apps like Spotify and iTunes. If you go to pod.link slash Gutsy Matters, you will find all of those links to all of the different podcasts, whichever one you use, and you can click on them. And we encourage people to subscribe and listen in. And then we're also on Instagram that's stored naturally and on facebook is stored naturally as well so yeah you can find us on all of those platforms well thank you so much for joining me today i'm really happy to have been able to learn a little bit more about your journey and obviously for all of our listeners for them to get some insights into what it's really like to take an idea to reality and bring someone along with you on the way which i think is a a unique thing that not everyone gets to do so thanks so much for being with us and uh, hopefully you'll get lots of people coming visiting your website and uh, checking out your product. Thank you, Joy. Thanks very much, Joy. If you've never been self-employed before, the dream of owning your own business may be filled with visions of working from home with flexibility and a bank balance that gives you the freedom to choose when you work and who you work with. The saying, dreams only work if you do, comes to mind first, followed by, I love being self-employed. I can work any 80 hours a week that I want to. Running a business is tough. Starting a business is brutal. And starting a startup is, well, let's just say that the estimated failure rate of 90% isn't because people have terrible ideas. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Last week, we talked through really thinking about why you are planning to do this. This week, I want you to go one step further and ask yourself to consider What does your vision of the end look like? The end of your involvement with your business will come in one of three ways. One, death, often unexpectedly. Two, failure. You'll run out of money, market or energy. Or three, sale. Usually the preferred option, either in full or in stages. So, are you going to build a business Or are you starting a new job, working for yourself 80 hours a week with no salary for the first few years and a really complicated boss? P.S. That's you. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's Ideas Into Reality episode. And we hope that you enjoyed learning about our founder's journey and got a couple of takeaways from the lesson learned. 
that will help end the flames of your idea. Assuming you did, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favourite podcast app and let your friends know too. They might just be sitting on an idea that you do not even know about yet. You can find out more about Canvas Coworking and Startup Toowoomba by visiting our websites, canvascoworking.com.au and startuptoowoomba.com.au or finding us on pretty much any social media platform. My name is Joy Taylor and I'd like to thank you for joining me on this journey and I look forward to introducing you to our next guest in our next episode.